Hello, hello. It's an honor to be standing here in front of this laughing girl who <laughs> happens to be <laughs> the Portuguese best paraclimber athlete. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself and saying perhaps what you have accomplished so far in your career? Uh, as a paraclimber? Yes. Yes. Okay. So um, I'm Tanya Chaves. I have 26 years old and I started climbing in 2017 in October and since then I've been uh, the national champion um, of the IL2 category on the paraclimbing in 2019, 2018 and 2021, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, then I went to the world champion uh, championship in Briançon in 2019. In France? Yes, in France, uh, where I stood in the fifth place in the IL2 category. And then in 2021, um, I went to Moscow, Briançon and Innsbruck, and I, I was in the third place in Briançon and Innsbruck and the second place in Moscow. That's quite the achievement. And yes. to contextualize people, paraclimbing is a category inside climbing for people with some disabilities. So it means that somehow you have a disability and maybe and in your case, you don't have one leg. So I guess we could start there by contextualizing and seeing what were your life circumstances that led you to this. So how mm. did you happen to find yourself in this position? Okay, so um, in 2009, um, I had a, I felt some pain in my leg and we discovered that it was a cancer. So I had like a second knee um, on my tibia and uh, it was an osteosarcoma, that's a bone cancer. And with the treatments and everything, um, it spread to the muscles. So we had to amputate my leg. I was 14 at the time. And then, yeah, that's how I, <laughs> I've lost my leg. Yes. It's uh, a very, very early age. I cannot imagine how it must feel when you are 13, 14 to be mm -hmm. told by a doctor, okay, your cancer is incurable. You have to cut off your leg. Um, I get that a lot, that uh, persons say that, and I thought about that a lot. Um, and it's weird because at the time I didn't uh, felt bad about that. I was like, my parents w were very sad about that. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I have to, to push them. I have to, to be okay. Like to lift them? Yeah, I have to lift them, yes. So we were um, in front of the doctor and they, they were super sad and I was like, oh, it's okay, I will be fine. And then I never thought about it like a bad thing. I just uh, tried to, to fight with that and never felt sad about that or something. I didn't have the time for that. And when I think back, I, I can think about one day that I was sad. And yeah. So in your case, this strong spirits it seems to be genuine since i often see the case in which people 
put this strong image mm -hmm. on the outside, but inside they are very depressed. But this does not seem to have been the case with you, or was it? I don't know. Yeah. I've... How do you feel? How did you, did you honestly feel like no problem? I'm gonna carry over. Yes, I'm. Move on. When I think about it, it was uh, what I was trying to say. When I think about it, I I can't remember about uh, being sad. So I think it was really genuine. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I just wanted to to make people like um, to make them feel okay and like oh she's fine we will get through the, through this and yes the only thing that um, made me sad was the the fact that I couldn't go to school during the time you were yeah. at the hospital. Yes. I was like, oh, can't you, like to the doctor, can't you just cut my leg so I can go to school? <laughs> and she was like, oh, we can't uh, put that apart, but for now we will just do the treatments and you have to wait. And, and I was like, oh, come on, I want to go to school. <laughs> and it's the only part that, that made me sad. Usually but, it's the other way around. Kids want to be outside school and enjoy their vacation. But in this case, of course, yes, in the case of a serious disease. When you can't go, yeah. you are like, oh. I wanted to be at school. <laughs> so how long were you down, so to say, like outside school or in the hospital um, doing treatment recovery? It was one year, I think. Yeah, so about you missed one year. One whole year of school in yes, this case. Yes, I had to do the the nine. Uh, I don't know how to say it. The ninth grade. Ninth grade. Yeah. 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 And at the end, when did this? When does this end? Like you, the at the wound you do the rec some recovery mm. i really don't know so i've started with some chemo in october i think uh, 2009 and then in march 2010 uh, we've got my leg and after that i had to do some chemo again um, then in october i stopped the treatments and i was free to go to school again and then i just had some a medical appointment to see if I was okay and stuff like nice. that. I guess and I, sorry, I I've been know. released like two years ago or three from the hospital. I don't have to go there anymore about that. Nice. So you can finally yeah. move on and yeah. face life. Yes. No, that's wonderful. And I admire a lot the people that managed to overcome this very difficult situation. I used to, or sometimes I do these games in which I imagine if I didn't have one arm or one leg mm -hmm. or I close my eyes to try to feel how a blind person mm -hmm. sees, not sees, but yes. feels the world. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard for me. I cannot go on more than a few minutes and then I have to open my eyes yes. again. I'm like, how can these people live? So I really admire mm -hmm. the people that have, like you, that have, I think, a lot more strength than I will ever have. Mm, I wouldn't say that because... I thought um, before I had to cut my leg and before I knew that I had uh, the disease, I if I saw someone that don't have a leg or an arm, I would be like, oh, I couldn't be like that. I, I couldn't do anything if I was like that. And then when it happened, you don't, uh, in my case, I didn't talk too much about that. You have to live with it. You have to adapt everything. And then once you adapt and you are um, okay with that and you know how to do the, the stuff, 
it's okay. You, you won't think um, about that. I see. It's good that yeah. you move on. So from here, how did you get into climbing? Okay, so um, when I came to the university, I I went to um, a gym. Yeah. Yes. Um, and because I was like, oh, I'm always going to the classes. I go home, I study, I go to the classes, I go home. I want to move a little bit. I'm too... Uh, too much time likes to um, on Staying a chair, still, yeah, yeah. Sitting down. Exactly. And I was like, I have to move. I went to the gym and I had a, a personal trainer at the time. And he was always saying, oh, there is a um, um, climbing gym that is doing a competition every year uh, for disabled persons. You have to check it and stuff like that. And I was like, hmm, maybe I will do it one day. And then I continue uh, at the gym, lifting some weights. Then I started doing cycling and CrossFit. And um, I left that idea part a little bit. Uh, and um, That idea, the about climbing competition. Climbing, yes, uh, because um, I was super focused about CrossFit. I was doing it every day. Uh, sometimes I was uh, training two times a day, wow. one at the gym, another one uh, at the CrossFit box. And um, I had some co competitions there also, but uh, they had to adapt my exercises and I was competing with normal persons. And I thought that it wasn't fair for them because I had to adapt and then... It was not fair for them, but you yes. are the one at the disadvantage in a competition. I know. <laughs> I know, but uh, for example, we have an exercise that it's double unders and I call them to it. So I will do um, single unders, even if it was the double, like 50, uh, 50 double unders. Tanya, you do 100. Oh, even yeah. if I do 100, for me, it was like, okay, I'm doing 100. But the double unders are a bit uh, harder than the singles. So. Even if I do the double, it's unfair for them. Right, unfair and in this case because you will be competing directly but with different exercises that were easier. Exactly, yeah. And I won once and I was like, oh, it's not, a, it's not fair for them. They were okay with that, but I was like, no, that call didn't happen. And, but I didn't add... Um, other persons to compete with in right. Portugal for that and didn't hear that much about uh, those competitions outside of Portugal. And then this topic came again, the climbing one. And Enrique was um, a coach in the gym. Enrique Brandão? Yes. And I, I was speaking with him. Oh, uh, I'm doing CrossFit, but I heard about climbing and they do uh, competitions and things like that. And he was like, oh, um, I am um, at the, the climbing gym also training. If you want, you can come with me and you, you meet the coach. You can climb and see if you like it or not. And I went with him and never <laughs> left. <laughs> That's how it started. Wonderful. And how long ago was this? This was in 2017, four years ago. 
So in only four years of training, you managed to already amass uh, impressive curriculum this far. When you look back on these four years, what has climbing represented for you? Or in another way, what has it taught you that made you stick to it and made you want to be competitive in it? Wow. <laughs> okay. <then. laughs> That's a good question. Uh, I never uh, really thought about that. What did climbing? <laughs> okay, let's put it in another way. Like you were doing CrossFit, you were doing mm -hmm. the gym exercises and now as i understand you kind of dropped that mm -hmm. yes. so what did you feel that was so important about climbing that made you move on from these two to stick to climbing only and now you're training every day yes um first of all at the beginning um i stopped uh, going every day to the gym i was going still every day to crossfit but i started going also every day climbing so it was wow in the morning I was doing CrossFit and in the afternoon I was climbing every day, like from Monday to Friday. While you were studying? Yes. It's quite intensive. Yes. <laughs> and then um, it was too much for my, for my body and I, I knew that if I really wanted to, to uh, succeed in one of them, I will have to drop the other one and have more um, more time to rest. My body wouldn't, um, yeah, <laughs> survive, let's say it yeah, like that. it's not surprising. Exactly. So I, have to, I had to, to think a lot about that. Like, I love CrossFit, but I also uh, like a lot to climb. I was in that part because I was doing CrossFit um, for like two years maybe before that one year and a half and climbing was like two months let's mm -hmm. say and I was like hmm, which one should I keep <laughs> and then I thought like I went uh, climbing because I wanted to compete since you felt that yes. crossfit competitions were not fair for exactly. them exactly yeah I wanted to compete and Climbing can offer me that. CrossFit can't. And then you started training at SEP, which is Club mm -hmm. Escalada do Braga, and yes. things went on from there. You got better and mm -hmm. better until the point that you participated. You got to a level in which you could participate. Yes. So, okay, let's go into the competition itself. What has been the most fun competition or the, that you've been in at any stage? The most fun. Or the one that makes you most proud of yourself, at least. Uh, most proud must be the, the last one, the Moscow one. Um, because it's where I, I reached uh, a, a higher level that I, I thought I could. Um, it's the first time that I stood in second place in the AL2. So <laughs> I was really proud of myself. And when I left the wall or when I fell, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. <laughs> wow, uh, I'm in front of the German girl. That was my, <laughs> that's bad to say that, but uh, it was my goal at the time. Like, okay, I am one point behind her. I have to go, um, I have to push more and be able to 
to be in front of her and I accomplished that there. And I was Were really proud of that. Were you confident before that you could beat her? Um, <laughs> or like you got that push from yourself, from inside? Yes, more or less. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, the, the competition before that, that one, I was already really um, close to her. Um, our points were uh, really close and I was like if you push yourself a little bit more you can you can beat her and yeah it was what happened nice in this case is it an advantage to climb second since you see where your direct competitor is doing and then you say okay I have to beat that mark I cannot fall before that hold I think it is but um, when we, we are competing, we never compete in the same position. Uh, for example, on the, we, we climb two times in the competitions. You start, for example, you are the first one on the first um, route. On the second, you are like in the middle of the list. Oh, so you never have the, the advantage itself. Exactly, yeah. Right. In, do you, would you consider yourself uh, elite? Athlete, in the sense, athlete in the sense of professional. If I consider myself a professional athlete, yeah, that's. Mm. <laughs> mm. I'm not talking. Okay, um, this question has More many yes. interpretations. Exactly. Yeah. Let's frame the question in the in terms of training enough and sacrificing mm -hmm. enough to reach a top level in any sports like we see in other sports like a swimmer or a mm -hmm. football player that plays for a top team they have to really focus completely on mm -hmm. the sport yeah. would you say that at your current level since you're computing competing at the world championships and you're getting very good results would you say that you need to make these kind of sacrifices to be at the very top i think yes I think I need to do it and for now it's not uh, really possible. <laughs> um, I think I should um, dedicate a bit more time for that, but it's kind of impossible now. I have to work eight hours uh, every day and then I go training after that every day uh, for two hours and when I, la I leave the trainings I, I just have dinner and go to bed and restart the other day. I don't really have that much time for, for that, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, but I think I, I needed more. How, will, how much would you feel that you need to train to push it past? Since you said that you could not train mm -hmm. two times a week, it was too much for your body. Yes. Or maybe it was in the past, now it might be different. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, it's, it depends because um earlier i wasn't focused um how can i say it i wasn't thinking that much about oh i need to do this i need to do that i was just going and training going and training uh, never thinking about today i have to train this tomorrow i have to train this and the day after that thing you know so having a workout plan yes and now i have one and for example, Monday, Wednesday and Fridays, I climb. And Tuesdays, I have a, 
Angboard trainings and on Thursday I have campus board training. Uh, sorry, I didn't understand. Campus? Yes, campus board. It's the mm. one where you have the... Um, oh, the horizontal bars. Yes, oh, the that's horizontal bars. Yes, it's my Tuesday trainings. That's like explosive training, right? Mm -hmm. You go up, up, up. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> and um, I think now I could do something like climbing in the morning, go to work, and then when I come back, climb again, or doing another exercise um, more focused on something in the morning and climbing in the afternoon as I do now. I think it will be better. Would it help if you get like a climbing wall at your home or a hangboard so you could train in the morning since the gym is closed so early? Mm. <laughs> I don't really think it, mm, it will be better. Okay. Um, so what kind of... I was going to say what kind of sacrifices you make, but you already make quite a sacrifice in terms of your time since mm -hmm. your job is entirely separated from your yes. activity mm -hmm. in yes. a sense. And does this mean that you don't have any support when you go to these competitions, hmm. any mm -hmm. financial support? I mean, no, um, <laughs> we should have, we should have, I mean, that's usually the the national federation helps the athletes to go um, abroad and go to the competitions in our case uh, it doesn't happen because we have two federations in portugal um, hosting the climbing um, part and um, how can i say it <laughs> yeah, I believe that there is, yeah, as you said, there are two federations that is FPME, yes. which is Federação Portuguesa de Montanhismo e Escalada. Uh, no, uh, now it's uh, Federação Promotora de Montanhismo e Escalada. Oh, okay. Yes. But uh, the yeah. FPME mm -hmm. is the same. Mm -hmm. And then there is the FCMP, which is a Federação de Campismo e Montanhismo de Portugal. And I believe that uh, it's the second one, the FCMP, that has the official right to yes. holding the competitions. Mm -hmm. Yes. But I guess it turns out that it's the FPME, so the first one that organizes the event. Yes. Although the, f the second one gets the money, the first one organizes exactly. the event. Exactly, yes. So, and um, the first one, the FPME, uh, it's the, the one that um, the International Federation hosts. So we can, uh, we can compete outside of Portugal, but we can't uh, really compete in Portugal. We say that we are national champions, but we are the FPME champions, not the national ones, because Portugal doesn't recognize us. Yeah. And when okay. we are climbing, um, representing Portugal, it's not really Portugal that we represent because they don't recognize us. Don't you have a Portuguese flag near your name? Yes. So it's Portugal. Yes, but no, <laughs> they don't recognize it. Does it come written in the country that you're representing Portugal? 
Yes. So officially, officially I am representing uh, Portugal, but in Portugal, they don't recognize it. Okay. Uh, We are not. Um, it's like, as you said, strange. yeah. As you said, the other uh, federation is getting the money. The other federation is who has the right to compete for Portugal. But they can't compete outside because they are not recognized there. So as they don't recognize her, uh, us here in Portugal, in the theory, we, we are not representing Portugal. That seems somehow <laughs> disloyal from them, mm -hmm. since not only they are receiving the money and not doing anything to promote the sport at the national level, but they're also yeah. preventing you from getting the money by not transferring the rights. Yes. Is That's there it. any solution in sight to this? Um, at this moment, we we have a process in the um, tribun tribunals. The courts? Yeah, in the courts, sorry. <laughs> uh, it's okay. Yeah. I think in tribunal is a legit word anyway. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we have a process in the courts uh, to see if we can get the rights now. Um, and it's all a bureaucratic Yeah, uh, yeah. thing that uh, I'm not really inside but yes we have a process in the courts to see if we can get the, the rights here in Portugal and start receiving the money to I hope to you let's... can get I hope you can get but I don't know if there's enough money one thing that I noticed that drives some people is that there's one side of the argument that says that people that represent Portugal should be sponsored and should have a scholarship so that they can mm -hmm. train every day or as much as possible or do the as much as they feel they need to to mm -hmm. be at the top level as you said you were and there is the other side of argument that says that there are too many categories and too many sports so not everyone can get funding how do you even approach the discussion Like, who can de determine what sport should be sponsored or not? Yes, that, that's what I was about to ask you. Like, who will de determine who has the right or not? Um, how can you say that football can receive a lot? Okay, they will say, oh, football can have a lot of money because uh, a lot of persons uh, watch football, a lot of persons buy the, the merches and it gives a lot of money so they can um, give a lot but who will determine if uh, karate or swimming or climbing is better or deserve more than the other one? Yeah, the <laughs> revenue in argument is a very strong one mm -hmm. since you say, okay, I'm going to fund you proportionally to the amount of money that you bring to me mm -hmm. and this makes some sense but in the other hand it does not because uh, sport is supposed to be inclusive and it's not support yeah. supposed to be profitable mm -hmm. it's supposed to be a mechanism for people to feel worthy and to promote yes. the image of a country mm -hmm. yeah. and you could say that sports that generate the most money don't really need state support Yes. Like football. Yes. Yes, that's it. Um, I gave that example because it's what you hear all the time. Like, why don't the, the state give money to this sport? Oh, because football gives more money. But yeah, 
basketball has its own money. Why does the state need to, to yeah. give, you know? Maybe because there are many kids playing, since it's such a popular mm -hmm. sport, it makes some sense that there is some public infrastructure. Mm -hmm. But again, you could also argue from the other side, which is, okay, the clubs make so much money. Yes. The clubs themselves or the mm -hmm. or FIFA or UEFA, yes. the top level federations, they could promote and invest in the sport. Yes. And then if you say like, oh, we won't give money to that sport because it's not big enough. You can say, okay, it's not big because you don't give the money for that and we are not able to grow or to grow as much as we wanted and as we can if you don't give us the money or if you are not um, willing to to help the sport grow. Because there are a lot of... Um, I can see here at SEB that we have a lot of kids that are um, really good at climbing. And if it keeps um, <laughs> like this, if the state doesn't help uh, the persons who really want to make the sport grow. We can't uh, like help the image of Portugal. We can't help uh, the sport uh, grow. We won't say that it will grow the, as much as football, but who knows that it will... It's a um, slippery slope mm. where you set the boundary as where to finance or not. I was talking about this with some guy, another guy that came here also to the conversation. It was Nuno Gonçalves, he's a photographer at university mm -hmm. and is very accomplished in sport photography and he knows a lot of athletes mm -hmm. and is inside this kind of, uh, in this world of budgets and all that. And he was saying that people that succeed, they get funded. Mm -hmm. And he also acknowledged that to to get funding, you must succeed. Mm -hmm. But if you succeed, uh, yeah, to get funding, you must succeed, but it's hard to succeed without funding. Yes. So the question is that at some point you need to succeed on your own to mm -hmm. draw enough yes. attention to then justify the funding. Mm -hmm. And he expressed that he felt that people that are good enough, they will get the funding. But there's also, again, the question of which sports. And he also mentioned the example of pillow fighting. Mm -hmm. so there's a sport where people just grab pillows and mm -hmm. fight each other. And you can ask, is it reasonable to fund this if you're a state? Yeah. If you have limited funds, like will you give funds to here? So mm -hmm. why climbing and not a pillow fighting? And one argument that may, might be reasonable, I don't know, I want to hear your opinion on it, is should we fund Olympic sports, for instance? Should they be like, okay, these at least mm -hmm. are big enough and they will potentially have athletes representing our country in a meaningful way? Would this be a good argument? I don't know. Yeah, I think yes. I think it's a good ar argument. Um, you should be funding, um, first of all, a sport that has a federation. Does the pillow fight have a federation? I don't know. Maybe they do. And Maybe then, the, the climbing does not have a federation right now. No, we don't have one. We have two. <laughs> <laughs> Problem yes. too many. 
it's too like many. when it's like when you're dating too yes it's too many it's too much sometimes um, <laughs> sometimes not <laughs> depends uh, <laughs> okay um <laughs> Uh, yes, um, I don't know. Then, okay, if both have the federation, um, why don't we found both? And then um, we can go then uh, to the next level. Those it have uh, international competition, as you said. Does it have? Uh, is it in the Olympics? If yes, oh, we should fund that because we want to see Portugal there. Right. Uh, the Olympics argument might also be flawed in the sense that there are important sports mm -hmm. that are not in the yes. Olympics. True. So that's why I try try to frame the question is in at least the Olympic sports. Meaning mm -hmm. not exclusively, but mm -hmm. at least. Maybe the Olympic sports will get TV broadcasting, so there's higher chances. In this case, do you think that paraclimbing has enough society attention? To like to deserve funding, if I can use these words. Mm. Uh, you mean world uh, worldwide or just in Portugal? Yeah, worldwide. Mm. I don't know. Like, you were at the events. Like, what was yes. the presence at the events? Like, many people, just a few, just. Um, paraclimbing is something that it's still growing. It's not yet. Uh, and a bit far to be at the level as the normal climbing but um, that's a good question okay let's see uh, how how many people do you have watching the competitions mm. assuming okay it was two corona years so exactly things yes. change Mm, I just one uh, just had one competition that wasn't in the Corona year. That was in two thousand nineteen, in France, and <laughs> we had like um, we will say that it was like a football um, area, okay. Mm -hmm. And in front of the wall, you had um, a lot of persons sitting on the grass. Uh, I don't know how many because I'm not too good with that uh, counting in yeah, my yeah, head, yeah. you know. But at least 200 persons. It's quite a lot. That's, I, I was about to say that's not too much if you think about that. But to be in the middle of the, the town, uh, sitting on the grass, yes, it was a lot of persons. Yeah, I would say that. it's a lot. If you look at yes. 200 people on the grass, it's a crowd. It's yeah. a big crowd. Yeah. So, and were all, the, even in Corona times, were all the uh, competitions that you participated in broadcasted in TV? No, um, the competitions were only, um, we just had the final broadcasting in the, the YouTube. Okay. Yes, not in the TV. Okay, uh, yeah. That's, yes. Maybe I should not have used <laughs> yes, TV, TV since... Yes. I think even the Olympics, they are also broadcast, or even the male mm -hmm. and the female EFC, EFSC World Champion, so the the official World Championships mm -hmm. of Climbing, I think they're also streamed on YouTube, Yes. probably in yes. addition to TV. So 
YouTube is a legit mm -hmm. yes. media. <laughs> yes. Um, we have the the final broadcast on the on YouTube. It's pretty good. So that's pretty good uh, mm -hmm. dissemination. Yes. So when you come second, you come to the floor, send kisses to your parents at home <laughs> and your friends. <laughs> no, uh, it didn't happen because um, one thing that it's different um, in paraclimbing than the normal climbing competitions is that we have a lot of categories, as you said, in the beginning. So I am in the IL2 because uh, I don't have one leg. And the IL2, it's uh, the lower body amputation. And um, the minimum that you must have, it's six person competing in that category for a minimum of three countries, representing three countries. Right. Okay. So if we are five persons, we are not in the minimal uh, to represent a category. What happened in that case is that we are um, matched with the RP3. RP3. What does it mean? Uh, RP3, it's the a category uh, where um, the persons have uh, some kind of neurological um, problem in one member of his body. Right, so they have right. full limbs, two arms and two legs, exactly. but something in the brain that yes. affects. Um, yes, you have full limbs, but for example, you can't uh, put uh, that much much effort in one leg or in one arm, something like that. And then you have RP1, RP2 and RP3, depending on the level of uh, disability you have. On that so category. the higher the number, the more severe? No, it's the other way around. The lower the, the number, lower the more the severe. Number, yes. So RP1 are the worst. Yes. And where would people like that don't see, that are almost blind, get placed? Um, the, the blind persons have the a category that's called B. You have B1, B2, and I don't remember if we have a B3 that's okay. uh, completely blind. You have with some kind of percenta uh, percentage of vision and then I think I don't remember if it's two or three um, for for the the blinds, but yes, you have that. Then you have the sorry, there are too much categories. RPs, AL. You have the AL one. That's the person that can't use the lower part of the body. So just upper body. Yes. It must be beasts. Yes. Like tanks. <laughs> Yes, they are they are beasts. <laughs> you look at them like what? <laughs> I want to be like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I understand. <laughs> uh, and we have the the category uh, for the person that doesn't have one arm or one hand. That's the AU, I think. Okay, so um, coming back to what we were saying. Um, in Moscow, we were just five persons in the AL2 categories. So we, we had to match with the RP3. So um, in the finals, we, we didn't um, split the categories again. 
Okay, so you competed with people outside your normal category, that is the lower body disability. Mm. I competed with the RP3, that's the, the persons who have another kind of problem or not that much uh, strength in one leg or missing. Uh, for example, I, I think we have a girl that doesn't have uh, some fingers in that category also or uh, doesn't have that much strength in one arm. Mm -hmm. When I say do doesn't have that much strength is that they can't use it fully. Right, okay. but it's still an advantage because you don't have the leg, so your output is zero. And even if their output strength is just a bit more than zero, mm. it's already a, an advantage. Or is it an advantage? Since you don't have the leg, you don't cannot use it, but you also don't have the weight of the leg. Yes. Um, and pushing climbing matters. We will say it's an advantage if we will compete with RP1 or RP3. RP2, sorry. Uh, because it's a category where they are a bit worse, let's say. RP than are the, RP3. the neurological disability. Yes. Right. Uh, you have the one, the two, and the three. If I was competing with the RP1 or RP2, maybe I would have an advantage because I don't have that weight. In the RP3, I don't think that way. <laughs> Right. So you were five with lower, with without one, mm -hmm. without one leg. One, one leg. Yes. And then you had another person. That then had... we had six persons. I think we were, we had six. Six. Five or six persons in the RP3 mm -hmm. with. Um, right. And then the ranking was for these 11 people. Exactly. And not yes, only your yes. categories. Mm -hmm, so they merged mm -hmm. the categories and merged the prizes. Yes. So I stood in the second place in the IL2 if we split the categories. But for the RP3, I don't remember. It was like fifth, fifth place. Nice. Yes. Is that fair, in a way? <laughs> I don't think so, no. <laughs> um, that's something that we are discussing um, all in the um, paraclimbing community, about the mergings and things like that. I don't think it's too fair, because we are competing with persons that are not in our category and then we are not being recognized or uh, we can't finish, let's say, the competition as we should because I am in the second place in the IL2 category but I can't go to the final because I have an RP3 person that it's in front of me and will go to the finals and it's in my head it's not fair and for the person uh, in the rp3 category that is behind me it's not fair either or for example we have one girl in my category that always win even if she is in the rp3 uh, merge with the rp3 it's not fair for the person that it's in the third place in the rp3 because she is not recognized as 
third place in the RP3. I don't R know if right. you will... I am trying to navigate this since there are two sides of the fairness, mm -hmm. as you're describing. One aspect is the fairness as in one category is by default inherently stronger than mm -hmm. the other. Mm -hmm. Therefore, it's not fair if people with less impairment are competing with other people with higher mm -hmm. impairment. And this is one aspect in which it is not fair, but it also seems that you're saying that it's not fair because this girl is so strong that even at a theoretical disadvantage, she still mm -hmm. places yes. higher than the other, so yes. she displaces mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you think about that, it doesn't make any sense what I'm saying, but um, <laughs> modest. <laughs> yes, um, we will think about that like this. For example, if you are the root setter, you will think about the category as RP3. It already happened once, at, at least in, in France this year, the last year. Um, we were competing in the RP3. And this girl um, that is in my category in the IL2. The super strong girl. Yes. Does she have a name? <laughs> yes, Lucy. <laughs> She's uh, French and really strong. Um, she went to the final. And uh, the final route was... Um, I don't know how to say it. Uh, you had to go like this. You know? So horizontal? Yes, horizontal. And in a wall that was like this, super straight. So not inclined. Not inclined, not yes. Not inclined at all. Right. So for us um, in the IL2, if we have a, an inclination, even if it's harder because you have to push a bit more in your core and stuff like that, it's a bit easier, let's say then climbing in a vertical wall and then if you have to go to uh, horizontally it's even worse sorry it's even worse um, because since you don't have one leg it's yes you can't it's better to go vertically than horizontally is that what you're saying because uh, you said it's no. worse to go vertical to but go, then it's even worse to go horizontal yes, yes. Um, so you prefer to go vertical? Yes. To go horizontal, um, it's... Uh, I don't know how to express that, but... Um, it's not the best thing for our uh, categories. We... Uh, it's... <laughs> we have to do some steps that we can't, because we are missing one leg, like uh, crossing your legs and going right. to, to the right or something like that, you know? Yeah, because when you go to the side, you put one leg forward and then you yes. bring the other leg to balance. But mm. if you can't do this, then you can't really maintain your balance. Mm -hmm. oh, exactly. And then she is super strong and she, she went to the final, but then she ended up in second, not in first as always, because this route was not thinked um, to be for us, you know? It was thinked about um, for the RP3 category. Right. Yeah, it's pretty unfair in this sense, even for the root set. Yes. They, they really don't know how to mm -hmm, plan. And mm -hmm. even if you're 
yeah even among the the same category you must have people with so many nuances of Mm -hmm. disability yes and then you have the thing like oh it's an AL2 category so we have to think about one person that doesn't have one leg but then you think oh but one person has the right leg the other one has the left leg we have to think about something that can work for both you know stuff like that and then oh but some are uh, super small and some are super big and yes it's uh, complicated for them to to think about normal climbing then you have to think about paraclimbing that has a lot of categories and uh, yeah (laughs) yeah i can imagine it must be very very Mm -hmm. tough in this case what would be your ideal solution in terms of establishing the correct uh, categories Mm. Um, now what i will say will uh the person who will hear that will be like oh she doesn't know what she wants or what she (laughs) thinks but we can do exactly the same as we are doing because if we don't have the six persons we have to merge but at least at the end uh, we can split the categories you know so merge without merging yes merge is yeah what does it mean what does it mean in practice um, in practice, it's exactly the same. We will have to climb exactly the same routes as them. But at the end, we will, um, when you count the, the points, you will do like, okay, this one is RP3, this one is IL2. This one is okay. first, this one is first. And then consecutively uh, for the rest. Same route, two rankings. Yes. Then. Yeah. In this case, which would determine the route to climb <laughs> so the the category that has the most people for example that's what is happening now okay yeah. so the route setters they know beforehand okay we're gonna have five people here we're gonna have eight here we're gonna only uh, i mean we're gonna only make a route for the eight people and then we're gonna make them all climb this no that's not like that sorry i i, I mislead you um when we have to merge um, the it's because one of the categories have less persons that it should have. We will always merge to one. Um, how can I say? We have um, a drawing for that. Like IL two, if you have to merge, you merge with RP three. RP two. So it's random. To... You said the drawing is like you take a paper and you see which no, one. No, 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 no. We have. Sorry, I didn't understand. <laughs> no, no, yeah, it's okay. We have... Um, it's not a graphic. It's... Whatever. We have already a plan established for that. Right, a pairing. Yeah. Yes, a pairing uh, for that. Like, uh, AL2s, if you don't have uh, as much persons as you should, you will go to the RP3. And that's defined before the competition start, before the registration. So it's part of the regulament. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. And what happens if both don't have enough? We will merge. Still merge. Still. And mm-hmm. I was just trying to figure out a criteria. Okay. If you say let's both climb the same route for the route setters, how do they know which one they prepare to? Since they do not prepare it for both, or they know it already before they start the route setting. 
<laughs> that's a good question. I think they know it already before a root second root setting, sorry, because we have the classification uh, at the beginning of the um, of the competition. So we go like two days before we have the classifications and then oh you you are in this category you are on this one and, and then oh on this one we don't have person enough you will go to this one and then the root setters already know like we will have this one this one this one and this one and they can prepare now i don't know if we, they already have it in their minds <laughs> yeah. like we have this for al2 we are, we have this for rp3 and this for um something else and then okay we don't have to do this one or if they already plan this one is already for them i, see. I don't know how That's they right. work it's just <laughs> ironic in a way since you left crossfit because you were looking for a fair competition mm -hmm. and then you come to climbing and you have to deal with these forms of unfairness yes i know but <laughs> it's still different i can still compete right you understand like it's something that it's still growing and uh, not just in portugal but um worldwide it's still growing everywhere the paraclimbing part not the climbing one but the the paraclimbing the climbing also is growing a lot yes but um what i want to say is like in portugal you can feel that climbing it's growing as the paraclimbing we are growing together but outside we, you have the the climbing uh, part it's already super big outside you mean outdoor or abroad uh, abroad abroad it's already big and the the paraclimbing part it's not that big i don't know if yeah well i don't think it can get as big by default since it's much harder to find athletes for paraclimbing since there is the requirement of a traumatic event in your life <laughs> that gives you some kind of disability. Mm -hmm. So it's always going to be a bit of a niche sport, I think. I might be wrong. It just seems to me that the, the amount of potential athletes is mm -hmm. by definition very small. Mm. Yes. I still think we can grow gonna start chopping some legs on the street <laughs> no uh, i mean we don't see them a lot but there are a lot of disabled persons everywhere we just have to push them <laughs> you know a lot of disabled people yeah uh, would you say that many like take a more defeated approach to their injuries since i think it's a kind of rare to mm -hmm. see people like you that lost a limb and then say, okay, I'm going to do sports like a crazy person and I'm going to be strong. Mm, yes, there are a lot of persons that use the disability to um, to say like, oh, look at me, poor guy. I can't work, I can't do this, you have to help me. You have a lot of persons like that. But then you also have a lot of persons that think like me. And you have persons that, that are like, oh, I don't really care. I'm okay with my condition, but I don't want to do anything. Uh, I don't want to do sports. That's what mm -hmm. I want to say. And persons like that, I think we can still push them and be like, oh, do, don't you want to try 
and things like that. And I think that if it was more visible, if um, we, I don't know. Do you think it would improve their lives if people that are probably depressed by yeah. saying, oh, take pity on me, I cannot work, if they like, could find a reason to feel valid? Mm -hmm. I think yes. If if they tried, I don't like really much to, to talk about this because uh, I, I feel a bit unfair for them. It's unfair for them if I if I talk about this like that. But if they if they will try to do something instead of uh, being like, oh, poor me, I don't know what to do now and things like that. Help me. Um, I can't do this or that. If they will try to speak with someone, try to do something to reverse the situation, like, okay, I am like that, but I can't. I can do something. I can improve. It will be better for them. And if going to do sports is something that helps for that, why not? It's probably more about like giving some change in your life. Yes. Maybe something yes. to feel excited mm -hmm. for. Mm -hmm. How do you feel that is the atmosphere between you and the other competitors, all the other girls? Since you're all people that suffered something mm -hmm. and that if you are there competing, then you pulled yourself together and you became good at something. Mm -hmm. So I can imagine yes. that they are all strong people, like mentally strong. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, they are. Um, I look at all of them and <laughs> they are all super strong mentally and physically. <laughs> yeah. Yes, but the atmosphere is really nice. You know, it's not like a sport that you go there and it's like, oh, the, I will compete with this one. I, co I can't talk with her and stuff like that. No, we are all like family, you know. You are someone new that comes, they, they will come to you and uh, introduce themselves and oh, we are competing together. If you need something, just tell me. And then you are in the wall climbing and you hear your name like, go Tanya, go, <laughs> come on. And you can um, understand that the person that is screaming your name is someone that is competing against you, you know, someone in your category. and. It's, <laughs> it's really wonderful. nice. In yes. most sports, you see spite between mm -hmm. competitors. They try to undermine each other. Yeah. But here... It, climbing, it's it's really nice. It's like a family. And yes, I'm competing with you, but you are like climbing alone. We are not fighting together, you know? Right. Yeah, in the moment, you only depend on yourself. Yes, that's it. And then we push uh, each other to, to do better. And yeah. It's so sure, it must be so tough not to have a referee to complain on, to blame all everything like yeah. in football. <laughs> exactly. You are like, ah, no, I should have brushed that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I needed that shock enough. I think but, that yeah. climbing in that sense is very humbling, mm. since mm. you really cannot blame anything besides no, yourself. Besides yourself, yeah, yeah. So why would you go uh, create a? a strange atmosphere or something if you only depend on yourself the other one did better yeah 
Would you share also tips as part of this friendship or that's too much? Uh, what do you mean? Tips instead, let's say you have the, the route, mm -hmm. it's hard and you kind of, before you compete, you look at the route and you see what's mm -hmm. going on and you, let's say you go first and then you come to the backstage where the other girl is preparing and you say, oh, where, and you tell her in this part, I did this to, to get over, try mm -hmm. this trick, it will probably help you. Uh, we do that sometimes, okay. yes. Um, <laughs> um, at least in the IL2, uh, we had some competitions where we all look at the wall and are like, oh, I went there, it's not that good, but this one is good. And oh, maybe if you do it like this or like that, or before um, any one of us uh, climb, we are all like, oh, this looks really bad for us, but maybe if we do it like this or like that, we we always uh, g give some tips and things like that. That's beautiful think, like, and yeah, genuine. Yeah, it's nice because you can give the tip, but then the person has to know how to do it, even if you gave the, the tip. Like if it's a movement that you are not that strong, you can know like, oh, here I must put my foot here or like that. But then, okay, but how do I do it? Or am I strong enough for that? You know? I will not be surprised if people were hyper competitive. I don't mm -hmm. know if you can even say hyper competitive. I think if you just say competitive, they will normally not help mm -hmm. the opponent. But perhaps the question is that you don't see them as an opponent, more like a comrade or a friend. Like you are at the same climbing gym and mm -hmm. in the gym we give tips to each other. And it seems to be more or less the same spirit, according yes. to what you're describing. Mm -hmm. It's the same spirit, but in the back of your mind, you, you think, um, you are always thinking like, oh, I must do better. Like, okay. Than them, yeah. Yeah, of course. You you are still competing, you know. You you give the tips. You 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 are friends and things like that. But you think I must do better. <laughs> I want to win or at least be in second place. I want to to be better than them. Or do better than them. That is depends on your personality. I feel that climbing mm -hmm. like for peanuts, mm -hmm. as we say. So that's part of a drive to keep improving every day, even if it's not necessarily formally competitive, mm -hmm. which I don't do that, of course, yeah, because I'm not good enough, not even close. <laughs> so it's more about <laughs> mentality, mm -hmm. about having something to push you. And maybe something that plays into this is the fact that you don't really have an incentive for paraclimbing right now. Mm -hmm. As you said, you don't get any sponsorship. So if you do good or bad you only have to account to yourself not to mm. someone else so in this case failure is kind of relative See, does it alleviate pressure in some way no <laughs> not at all because um i am the one like if you say oh you don't have to to feel so pressure about that or Oh, you just have to have this amount of pressure. I will put the double of the pressure on myself. Right. I am the, that kind of person. And then 
um, I don't have sponsors, uh, sponsors or something like that, but I think like if we have two federations in Portugal and the state is helping one of them, maybe if I have a, a good result, they will open their eyes and then switch to the federation who has the athletes that give um, some view to Portugal because I had a good uh, prestation, a, result, yeah, yeah, yeah. a good result outside, you know. I know, but I don't like think that. in this particular Portuguese case of federation, I don't think it's about opening the eyes mm -hmm. because everyone knows what's happening. Everyone knows who is helping the sport and who is not. It's mm -hmm. about perhaps about having not the political corruption to mm -hmm. get in the way yeah. of the people that know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Yes. So like they know what's the correct decision, but it's mm -hmm. probably just holding on to power while yes. they last. But my question was in the sense of, would you think you could maintain this good atmosphere of friendship with the other girls if there were higher financial incentives to succeed? Yes. Like giving a tip. Yes. Would you think, okay, I don't want to give her a tip. I want to be really better than her. I will try everything. This is, of course, not good no. sportships, but I it's think something that plays subconsciously in our minds. I think it will be the same. Um, I, I'm saying it uh, right now, but <laughs> I don't know why it will no. be uh, truly, but I think it will be the same. Because as you said before, uh, it's a sport that depends on you. You know, if you fail, it's your fault. If you want to do better, you have to train more. You have to do something different as they do. It's not because you said something at the moment that they will be better than you. If you want to be better than them and win, you have to do something all here, not just in the day. Right, right. That makes sense. Yeah, so if you want to be good, you have to, to work hard. Um, the 364 days um, that you are not there. It's not the one day where you gave one tip that will help the other one. I see. In terms of your career, what are the goals that you would like to achieve? <laughs> Climbing career. Um, the goal that we have put, the higher one, was to, to go to the paraclimbing. To be able to go there and then have a good result. Paraclimbing, you mean your Olympics? Uh, yes, the Paralympics, sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, then the small goals. Sorry, uh, focusing on the Paralympics, when mm -hmm. will they happen? Okay, so um, we are aiming for 2028 in Los Angeles. So five years from now, oh, six years from now. Six years, yeah. Los Angeles. Well. Yes. <laughs> nice. We are aiming f uh, there. Um, the categories have to um, to apply seven years prior to the Olympics, and uh, paraclimbing applied uh, last year in 2021. So, um, if we are able to go, it will be in 2028. Nice. Do you mm -hmm. need to, of course you need to qualify, but how do you qualify? Like, how can you achieve this goal? Hmm. Um, I still don't know that. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> yeah, uh, it's something that I really still don't know. 
we are still thinking about the, the rules of merging, what we were talking before, uh, as we have that problem mm -hmm. that we have to merge the categories. And then if you are AL2, you will compete in RP3, how will it be, mm. and things like that. We are still working on those rules. We'll be like, oh, mm. if we split, we have to print more medals. You're going to cost us a lot of gold and silver. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's guys. not do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so I, I really don't know how to, how to do okay. it. Then what about secondary goals you were going to mention before yes, interrupting? Yes, so um, the smaller goals was like were like uh, the first one, the smallest one was I have to, to beat the German girl. <laughs> <laughs> German was she not French? No, the French is the the really strong one. That yeah. Are you yes. giving up on that? No, of course not. The first goal was to beat the German girl. Okay. That we did in Moscow. Now I have to keep that way. <laughs> What's the name of the German girl? Uh, it's Jacqueline. Okay. Yeah. Um, Get owned, Jacqueline. Jacqueline Fritz. Um, it's it was my first goal, and I have also the girl uh, the the goal to to beat Lucy, but it's something that I will have to work even harder to to accomplish. <laughs> Is she training professionally? No, she she is also working. Um, she have. Um, I don't know what to say. I you don't, don't have remember. to detail yes. the job. So she has a job she, during she the day and a, she trains yes, yes. at night. Like you. So it's kind of fair in that perspective. Mm -hmm. Yes. But she she's really strong. <laughs> Can you put in um, relative terms the lack of funding in Portugal? Now it's also the lack of funding for her in France. Uh, can you repeat please? It um, means that it's not only in Portugal that we have the lack of funding for these mm -hmm. athletes that are representing Portugal in world stages, in fairly important sports, since in France, she's from France mm -hmm. and she's also not getting any sponsorship. Um, in France, um, it's different. The Federation has different uh, sponsorships it's uh, already in another level and if you if you see um the climbing history in france it's already already really big uh, super different than portugal we are always like two or three steps behind <laughs> on those those sports yeah so it's really different when you said we have these goals were you referring to shore that is your training, training? <laughs> yes yes um, the goal of the paraclimbing, uh, the Paralympics, yes, I, I was referring to Shar. How important is he for your career so far? Uh, Since I believe that, sorry, I should have framed the question a bit more. I believe that he challenged you when you began climbing and he said, I'm going to take you to the world stage. Mm -hmm. Are you in? Or something he, like this. He I don't said know. that like the first time he met me. <laughs> Yes. So yeah. how did you how do you react when someone tells you this and says I believe in you I want to make you very strong and we're going to walk this path together? <laughs> First of all, I have this reaction. <laughs> <laughs> that this is a nervous laugh. Um 
I felt like, uh, first of all, super proud and happy to know that I can do something like that and that someone trusts me, uh, trust in, uh, have trust in me and uh, thinks that I can do something that big. And then I start feeling the pressure. <laughs> okay. Of like, okay, he wants to, to, to take me there. I have to train really hard to be able to, I don't want to, to, to disappoint him, you know, because he believes in me. I have to be able to, you know. Is, is this accountability not a good thing in a way, in the sense that if you don't have anyone rooting for you or anyone depending on you, you usually tend to slack. At least this is what happens with me. If I'm alone and I don't have anyone controlling me mm -hmm. in some way, like if I don't have a result to to show, the me in the past would wither away, meaning mm -hmm. that I will just let time pass and not do anything. Mm -hmm. And I feel that if I have someone to compete, compete in a friendly way, someone mm -hmm. to play something with, someone to evolve alongside with, mm -hmm. then I feel a greater responsibility. Like, okay, this person is waiting for me to go train. Even if I yes. don't want to go train, mm -hmm. I will go because I don't want to let him down. Mm -hmm. I feel a bit uh, like that too. Um, if I don't have someone counting on me or someone waiting for me in some, I won't say in climbing, but some other things, uh, some other aspects, I will do the same thing. Like wait and let it pass yeah. <laughs> you know like procrastination ah, is an old yeah, friend exactly yes uh, i do that a lot <laughs> when i have time for that like weekends <laughs> yeah. so it's the sense that maybe if you didn't have sure putting pressure on you mm -hmm. maybe you would not have the resolve to go this far yes i think uh is a, a big part of this all of this that we accomplished in this yes. case is formally your trainer but does your trainer become more than your trainer emotionally yeah, of course yes it's more like more than a trainer it's like a, a f more than a friend it's like family you know it's yeah <laughs> i don't know how to say it but yeah, it's like family. Yeah. Like if it, it was, let's say, uncle or brother and... Yeah. <laughs> so you have to give him a present every once a year on his birthday. Like you give two ankles. I, I think just... he's really happy when I have a good result. Yeah. He also puts on a lot of work since he mm -hmm. does not get paid yes. either. So if mm -hmm. he, when he goes with you to competitions, it's he's taking everything. his time and his money. Yes. So mm -hmm. Yes. All from his pockets. Mm. So I can imagine that he must be really, really proud when you succeed. Or even if you don't succeed, mm -hmm. again, this is part of the pressure. Yes. You don't have to succeed. You don't have to be number one. Mm -hmm. I think that what people only expect from you, people that love you and care about mm. you, I think they only want you to give your best. Yes. Um, as I told you before, I put a lot of pressure on me. And he's the first one to say like, 
oh you did really really good uh it's the best thing you did you did uh so far and i'm like oh no it was not <laughs> that good it was really bad and you were like oh i'm so proud of you and things like that <laughs> yeah I agree. yeah so what's your next competition so my next competition it's in may in salt lake city uh in the states united states yes wow um on this one i'll go alone uh with no one from the federation or no coach and <laughs> so in terms of official uh, representation you're going completely alone yes Wow. completely alone i'm a bit nervous uh, because it's the first time i will travel alone mm -hmm. and to a competition uh, also so, yeah. Yeah. how do you even get the funds to go to united states you have the journey you have the hotels you probably have the registration mm -hmm. can you um the registration is um it's always the the federation that uh pay that part but uh for the rest uh this year i i had a gofundme um oh wow yes i, I raised a, a gofundme to to help me to go to the competitions and we achieved the goal that i've put there in less than three weeks oh you completed it yes nice in less than three weeks it's impressive it was like what <laughs> when i when i raised it um, I thought, okay, someone will help me, even if I don't reach the goal, um, it's okay. At least I tried and it's a small help. But then, uh, since uh, while the days were passing by, I was like, oh, this is crazy, this is crazy, everyone is helping. I'm al wow. al almost at uh, the goal. And then less than three weeks after uh, I reached it, Wow, it's impressive. Yeah. I don't know how much it was, but I imagine it's a few thousand since it's an intercontinental flight and mm -hmm. United States are not cheap. And that's really amazing. Yes. Does this put... More pressure, well, yes. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, <laughs> less pressure because you don't have to worry about money in your own personal life? Mm, yes. Or more pressure, as you said, because you yes. have more people saying, go, Tanya. Um, in the money part it's less pressure because last year i completely um, um how can i say it i spent all my money last year uh, all my savings just to go to the competitions and this year with this help um <laughs> It's less stressful, I will say. If I need money for something, like right away, I, I can have it. And But you have also the other parts of the pressure because all those persons helped me to go there. Now I have to prove them that it, will, it was like um, for a good reason, let's say. I don't know. I think the persons that helped me don't think like that, yeah. but it's the pressure I put on myself. I think they just want you to do your best. Mm -hmm. And again, they don't expect, I, I don't know who they are. I mm -hmm. don't know them. I'm just talking about what I would do. Mm -hmm. like I would not yes. expect you to be number one since that's not reasonable. Mm -hmm. but 
but I believe that the person, as long as he or she does their best, that's all another person can ask for. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, I genuinely uh, think that that's what they they think. Like, uh, I really want her to do her best, even if she don't win or something like that. But for me, it's uh, double the pressure, yeah. for sure. <laughs> Anyway, but you're training pretty hard now. You're mm-hmm. yes. you're scaled your training to five days a week. Mm-hmm. So every day yes. during the week. So I guess you're doing quite a lot. And maybe we'll see. Let's. I hope you have a good result in May. Mm-hmm. So to wrap this up, just I want to go a bit more philosophical in terms of a question. I just want to ask you, given your background, given your experience in the sport. What would you say that is the the meaning of life for which we all are here? Oof. Like, what makes us here? What makes you wake up to the next day and be with a smile? Well, <laughs> I didn't thought you all say something like that. Come on. <laughs> you thought or you did that? Oh, shit. Just uh, making it simple, like what makes you excited about tomorrow? Um, In in addition to beating the German girl and then the French girl. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Um, It's pretty a pretty hard question i think like um i had a job interview like two months ago and they they were like what makes you want this job and i was like i want to compete so i want as i don't have any phones i want to have money for that and i have to work (laughs) you know (laughs) so what would you make you um wake up every day to work i want to compete (laughs) And then now I like. Uh, it's probably not the answer they wanted. I don't know, but they kept kept, um, kept me so. Okay. <laughs> they were like, "Oh, this girl is just using us to get money." <laughs> I don't know. They asked. I I was just uh, sincere with them. <laughs> yeah, I think that's also the most valuable. Yeah. If people are honest, again. Mm-hmm. I prefer people when they are honest and tell mm-hmm. me bad things or tell me criticism yes, to face. Yes. Since if they tell me the criticism to face, then I can improve on mm-hmm. it. But if they hide it, maybe yes. then they develop some grudges or they mm-hmm. do not explain what they want. Yeah. So I always prefer people to be transparent and straight. And it was like, what makes you wake up every day for, uh, to work? I want to compete. So if I fail work, I can't have money for that. So you're... <laughs> kind of answering this indirectly Mm -hmm. so your main motivation seems to be to compete yes and to be strong enough perhaps to continue to be worthy Mm -hmm. of competition Mm -hmm. especially when you're going to the olympics in six years that's many years of training so it's not like something that will end tomorrow Mm -hmm. yes it's a a big plan for for the future all right i hope you do best and starting early now in may that Mm -hmm. you do your best even if it's not number one or number two but i Mm -hmm. just really hope that you can 
be your best version of yourself and good luck to you to wrap this up do you want well you don't need any more gofundme since you already reached your goal Mm -hmm. do you want to leave people with your instagram or your account where they can follow you or maybe watch you climb um yes i can give my accounts um i have two instagram accounts actually (laughs) i have one that it's tanya fg chaves and the other one (laughs) i don't remember the name it's quite new uh, it's really uh, an athlete page on Instagram that I think it's Tanya Chaves underscore paraclimbing, where I'm starting now with some old uh, pictures for, from when I started, first time I went uh, uh, to the rock, uh, first competition, stuff like that. I will put it um, in that way okay yeah and now can people watch the competition in the united states in may youtube as Uh, you said yes i think in the ifsc page ifsc page so the official Mm -hmm. official climbing Mm -hmm. institute okay it was awesome to talk to you thank (laughs) you for sharing your history and sharing your goals and ambitions and best of luck to you in your future thank you bye everyone bye (laughs)